Welcome on a very special guest. It is Lainey Wilson. Lainey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Just drinking my coffee, getting going. Awesome. <laughs> no better start to the day there. <laughs> oh my gosh. How about y'all? Are y'all doing good? Yeah, we're down in uh, Florida currently. Uh, well, heck yeah, out. you're doing good. <laughs> good Lord. Yeah. Hanging out with Chris's parents, so it's been a good week. <laughs> oh my goodness. What part of Florida? Uh, they're in the uh, south part by Naples, Fort Myers area. I'm so jealous. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all been soaking up those rays on the beach, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Trying to. Trying to. So jealous. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we'll get into it. Let's talk about the song you released just a bit ago, end of June, Sunday's Best. Tell us a little bit about that. I I definitely like the tune. It's got a nice little groove and it's a funny song too. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So I wrote it with my buddies, uh, Bryce Long and Shane Miner. And um, this is my first co-write with these guys. Actually, it was over at Sony ATV and Bryce had came in with this idea called drinking in my Sunday dress. And we, so we wrote the song actually as drinking in my Sunday dress. Well, we were getting ready to cut and go into the studio with um, Mr. J Joyce and I, this song just kept coming back to my mind. I was like, the only thing is I don't wear dresses. <laughs> so we got to figure this out. So it just kind of worked out that we changed dress to best. And um, I ended up liking it better anyway. But um, yeah, it's just a song about heartbreak and how people deal with it. And I might have dealt with a heartbreak like that at one point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I'm just excited to share it with everybody. And it's a song that I'm super proud of. And I feel like it's one of those that's going to be really fun to play live. And I can't wait to get back out there and get after it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That has to be going to be like one of those where you can just almost picture like the audience just dancing along and just having a good Uh, time. I'm so excited. (laughs) I miss it so bad, y'all. Like I'm that's my therapy, you know, I think for a lot of us artists. And um, so we're not getting the therapy that we need, (laughs) but we're hanging in there. I think the cool part about uh, Sunday's Best too is it has a lot of like old school feel to it as well. It was like the new school. So it's almost just like a old and new, like together. Almost yes. like reminds me a little like Dolly Parton-esque, like where it's just oh like- Oh my goodness. Of- I'll take that because Dolly, I'm telling you, Dolly is my absolute hero. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the biggest compliment that you could give me. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, it's like you listen to it and it's almost like if you close your eyes, you almost just like go back like 10 years and then there's like parts of it you're just like, I'm here. I'm alive now, 20 years ago. So it's, it's kind of cool. I like that. Thank you. Yeah, my the music that I love the most, um, I love the throwback feel, you know. I love I love things that sound uh, familiar, but also a little fresh. And I feel like Jay Joyce, he did that with Sunday Best and um, kind of threw a little dirt on those instruments and just brought it to life in a way that I could have never imagined. And um, I'm proud of it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then the song you released just before that, Rolling Stone, was also just another good song. Just curious your take on it. And Yeah, I could sit here and talk y'all's ears off all day. So <laughs> if, I keep going or if I keep going on this one, just be like, wink at <laughs> So, okay, I'm from a, a little bitty town in northeast Louisiana, a little town called Baskin, of about 300 people. And um, from my early age, I have always 
been the kind of person to really just have stars in my eyes. You know, I've always known that there were places that I wanted to go and people I wanted to meet. And I had things that I wanted to do. But um, coming from a town of 300 people, most everybody just ends up staying there. You know, I was dating this guy. He was my childhood sweetheart. We'd been dating for seven years. But I knew I was like, all right, it's, it's time to, to pack it up and move it on to Nashville. So what I did is I, I bought a camper trailer and it was a little flagstaff bumper pool, hauled it up to Nashville and I had to tell him bye. And I knew that, you know, if you have big dreams and, and things that you want to do in life, I knew that that meant that I was going to have to, you know, let the only thing go that I've ever known, which is my town, Baskin, but also let go of certain people. And um, that's where Rolling Stone came from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. definitely a good song and I think your story is also just interesting of you getting to Nashville with like what you said the camper I've heard that story before just how like you're parked out for like three years right I did yeah so long story short um there was a guy from Baskin Mm -hmm. his name was Jerry Cupid and he actually taught my daddy how to play guitar when he was little and he was he was like a family friend he was like kin to us but not and you know how it is. Yeah. <laughs> and um, anyway, back in the late 70s, my grandpa, my daddy's daddy, he uh, he gave Jerry Cupid about $300 to just move to Nashville and get started mm-hmm. and just help him, you know. And um, as a favor in return, years later, Jerry let me live in his studio parking lot for free for three years. So um, thank you, Papa. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of awesome because, you know, obviously when you've, most people moved first moved to town to chase a career in music. You're not really making too much money. So definitely saving on living is, uh, Oh man. Very you nice. know, and I was still, I was going back and forth at that time too. I was playing with a band in Northeast Louisiana called, um, the Cadillac Kings. Okay. And we would travel all over Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And, um, right before I actually moved to Nashville, I was impersonating Hannah Montana. And I did that for all of my high school. I mean, it was, I was making wow. the money. I paid a heck of a lot more money then than I do now. <laughs> so what were you doing? Were you just playing at parties as Hannah Montana? or? Oh, yeah. So everything, literally, any kind of party you can think of. I mean, I did nursing homes. I did fairs, <laughs> festivals. Um, I did St. Jude. That was the last place I did it. And um Birthday parties, like I said, I would do like three or four a weekend. Jeez. <laughs> and Lainey Wilson would open up for Hannah Montana if they'd let me. Sometimes they'd say, we don't care about Lainey. We just, we just want Hannah. So. <laughs> but that's okay. But it was, um, if anything, like, it just taught me that this wasn't going to be easy. You know, I mean, all my yeah. friends were going yeah. to LSU ball games and stuff. And I was putting my portable sound system in the back of my car and going to these birthday parties. But it taught me how to adjust to crowds. You know, like I said, one day I'd be playing at a nursing home and the next day I'd be playing at a three-year-old's birthday party. Yeah. So it was fun. Do you kind of wince now every time someone like requests a Hannah Montana or like Miley Cyrus song? I'm like, that's going to be $20. $20. That's awesome. I have flashbacks. My goodness. Yeah. Did you have the wig and everything? Oh yeah. I went, I went through probably about five different wigs. I started out, <laughs> well, how I got started, I'll tell you this. My eighth grade teacher, Miss Poland, 
she told me, she was like, my little girl's having a birthday party. And um, she said, I'd love it if you would just throw on a wig and show up as Hannah Montana to her birthday. Well, of course, I took it to the next level. And I already had a portable sound system. And I bought the Hannah Montana karaoke track. And I put on a show on a flatbed trailer. And it honestly just spread like wildfire. It like I did not stop. I'm telling you, I had to turn turn it down. And it was just it was a blessing for sure. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Sorry, though. That's kind of cool. That's a cool story <laughs> to come back with. Uh, wanted to get into the other song that you released that earlier this year, WWDD. Awesome song. I, I think I was telling Troy right when that came out, I was like, this is a jam. And I was like, we want to get this. You want to get you on. And that's, I think, when, or at least that's when it hit for me. It might have hit for Troy earlier, but that song was in general like one of the ones where I was just like, awesome. This one's oh, good. So I would love to hear I appreciate that very much. Yeah. So, like I was telling y'all earlier, um, Dolly is, she's my girl. I hadn't got to meet her just yet, but everything from Dolly's personality, her sense of style, I mean, she's an incredible businesswoman. She's got a dang theme park. She's just an incredible songwriter, just a good person. And um, I think we were, if we were all a little bit more like Dolly, the world would be a much better place. But yeah, um, I wrote it with my buddies, uh, Michael Heaney and Casey Bethard. Casey came in the room with this idea and he knew my love for Dolly. And we just kind of started the song off by talking about um, big qualities <laughs> that she has. <laughs> and the list goes on. And um, we kind of, you know, tried to do the whole double entendre thing on the WWD. And it just came out so fun. And we were like, we got to put this on the record. So. And uh, it seems to be one of a lot of people's favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you've been releasing like a song a month uh, this year. Is this leading up to a, a new record for you? Yes. So um, probably sometime in the fall, this whole pandemic has kind of thrown everybody for a loop. So, ch- you know, plans mm-hmm. have been changed a little bit and stuff like that. But um, we're planning on putting out the rest of the record hopefully soon. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is just kind of like a little, I guess you would call it like a waterfall release. Yeah. But I can't wait for y'all to hear the rest of the record. I'm so proud. Um, you know, everybody says like you get your entire life to write your first record. Cause this is my first, like, you know, like real, real record. And then the next record you get a year or two, but I will tell you this pandemic has given me an opportunity to write my butt off. I'm telling you, I, I probably during this time, I've probably written, 60 songs so um i can't complain about it too much but i'm so proud of this record that is going to be coming out hopefully like i said at the end of the year yeah i definitely think that we're just going to get a bunch of good music from everybody oh my goodness out of this pandemic <laughs> creative You're right about that. <laughs> gosh uh you mentioned working with casey bethard that is a fun fact we actually went to iowa so his son cj bethard <laughs> Went there, really? he was a quarterback for Iowa for a little bit there. So when you said Casey Beathard, I was like, I, I knew that because when I was looking at the the song credits, I saw him on there. I was like, okay, wow, yeah, no, he is he is incredible. His family, they're just good people. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he's got some talented kiddos too. Yeah, yeah, CJ, where does he play? He plays. Uh, he was in the NFL for the San Francisco 49ers. He's still gotcha. there, but and then obviously Tucker Beathard's doing yeah. some, some good things it's still in Nashville nice. as well. Athletic, talented, they're just, they raise them right. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to take it back and figure out, you know, how did you get into music? Were you young? Was it later? How did that come? Yeah, so 
the first time I sang out in public was my kindergarten graduation. And I sang Butterfly Kisses, and I was dressed up like a little butterfly. <laughs> but the, the first song I wrote, I was nine years old. And it was kind of like a Britney Spears kind of song. And um, I had wrote it at a sleepover I was having with my best friend. And I came home to my mama, and I said, Mama, I wrote a song. And, and she said, Oh, you did? She was like, Well, let me hear it. And I, I sang it to her, and she was like, I know, It's not that bad which I can sing a snippet of it if you want me to. (laughs) And the next week, well, you know, she kind of thought, you know, one and done probably, you know, she probably won't ever do that again. But the next week I brought her another one and then it just kind of kept happening. And it it became one of those things that really kind of just tracked me down, even from a very early age and would not let me go. It was just, it became like a part of who I was. And um, at 11, I started playing guitar. My daddy showed me a few chords. I started taking a couple lessons and that kind of helped with my songwriting. Like I said, I've, I started impersonating Hannah Montana in the eighth grade and I did that all the way till I was a senior. And then I decided I was going to hang up the wig. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, I've always known that this is what I was supposed to do. You know, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I've always had a weird sense of peace about knowing that I was born to do this. Jerry Cupid, like I was telling y'all earlier, the guy who let me live in his studio parking lot for free, he was my mentor growing up. Every time he'd come home to Baskin, he'd stop by the house, even at nine years old, and he'd listen to the songs that I was writing and tell me what to do, how to fix them. When I was 19, I decided, all right, you know, if I'm really going to do this thing for real, I need to be in Nashville. I was going to college online while I was going in class, and then when I moved to Nashville, I decided to to do it online. And I got that general studies degree. Anyway, yeah, I knew that if I was going to, you know, really try to do this, that I needed to be here. It took a very, very long time for me to even slightly get my foot in the door. Jerry was the only person that I knew in town and he ended up getting sick and passing away. And I kind of had to start over. Him and I had written probably 300 plus songs together. I wasn't 21 yet. And you know how it is around Nashville. If you're not 21, there's not a whole lot of places you can go to meet people. So, yeah, I kind of had to start over. And then I went on the road for a while with a guy named Frank Foster and, you know, tried to figure out what my next step was. It's been a lot of like switching gears, you know, trying to figure out how to get more connected in Nashville with a songwriter community and stuff like that. Well, finally, about year seven, because I've been here a total of nine years, year seven. I finally started kind of getting my foot in the door. I was put into this ASCAP program where basically it's called the GPS program where basically they set you up with publishers on Music Row and you get to go in there and meet them and play your songs for them and hope that they set you up with some of their published writers. That was a good way for me to get connected. And then fast forward a few months after being put into that program, I signed a publishing deal with Sony ATV. And then about six months after that, a record deal with Broken Bow Records. So it was kind of like nothing, nothing, nothing for a really long time. And then my team just kind of fell into place. And it's been such a blessing. So needless to say, that was summing up my journey. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, your journey's led you to obviously a lot of cool places. And I saw that earlier this year, you know, you got two big milestones playing at the Ryman in the Opry. Tell us a little bit about those experiences and just like what it was like when you first heard that you were even going to be able 
to do that? Oh my goodness. Well, I was in the airport. Um, when I found out about the rhyming show, Bobby Bones asked me to be a part of that. And I just felt passed out right there in the, of the <laughs> airport thinking <laughs> myself. But it's just so exciting. And it's one of those things where, like I said, I've always known that like I was going to have the opportunity to do things like that. But it just it's a reminder that I'm on the right track. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you want something bad enough, you just you keep your eye on the prize. And it's really nice to uh, to have people in your corner starting to um, believe in you. And Bobby has been one of those people for me. But um, so I got to play the rhyming and I was terrified, <laughs> so terrified. But it was a, a very special moment for me. And then on Valentine's Day this year, I got to play the Grand Ole Opry. And the first time I ever went to the Opry, I was nine years old, the same year that I wrote my first song. Okay. Uh, my family had taken a family vacation to Gatlinburg and um, to Pigeon Forge and all that. We went to Dollywood and I begged my daddy on the way home to Louisiana to just drive through Nashville. And he was like, all right, we'll do it. So none of my family members have been to Nashville ever. And we were driving through Nashville and I remember exactly where I was on the interstate in the back seat. I was looking at the Batman building and I said, this is home at nine years old. And uh, my mama turned around in the back seat. I remember it clear as day. She was like, Lainey, don't say that. You're my baby. But I've just always known. I've always known. And they took me to the Grand Ole Opry. I remember exactly where I was sitting. My sister was passed out asleep on the pew. And I remember seeing Bill Anderson, Crystal Gale, little Jimmy Dickens, Phil Vassar. And just in a weird kind of way, knowing that like, I'm going to be up there one day. And um, so when I got to step foot into that circle on Valentine's Day, cried like a little baby. <laughs> and, uh, it was just, I'm telling you, it was like a spiritual thing for me. You mm-hmm. could just feel, uh, it's just so weird to know that like all of my heroes have stood right there in that same circle. And I can't believe they let, you know, let somebody like me get up there and stand in the same circle as them. And just such a special thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really cool to be able to, like you said, surreal feeling to just be coming full circle from when you were nine and fulfilling finally and singing like your music and being able to expand on your career. Gosh, it was very special. And my whole family got to be there. Um, my sister had a baby about a year ago and he's my whole world. His name is Knox and he got to be there backstage. And it was just a really special experience for, for all of us, you know. How would you say moving forward now like after like some of those experiences because I feel like that's like like throw saying like a huge milestone to like get to that like level and obviously like you, you talked about your upcoming like record is there like another touring or things that like you want to do next that would be like your next goal obviously like everyone's oh like, yeah man I feel like I've always been the kind of person um I'm, I'm definitely like a content person and I'm satisfied and I'm, I'm proud of myself when you know big opportunities like that happen but I'm always a person that's like all right what's next yeah and I want to continue being that way um of course I want to be on you know an arena tour mm-hmm. I want to hear people singing back my songs and stuff like that and yes I have a I have a lot more that I need to do the Opry literally like they treated me like family um you know they told me that once you know all this mess kind of clears over that you know they want to keep having me back and i know it's going to be just as special every single time but this is like in my heart the way i feel right now is this is just the beginning mm-hmm. and um i got some stuff to do 
Love that. Yeah, it's, I think I can't remember where I saw it. I think it might have been like Kelsey Ballerini or Carly Pierce or someone that said like every time they step on stage, there's just a whole different experience that you could tour to 500 different stadiums or venues. And it's just not the same as going to either the Ryman or the Opry. Oh, man, I would have to agree with that completely. It is the strangest thing. It is like kind of feels like a little bit of a dream. It was the best day Valentine's Day I've ever had. I said, I don't need no man. What are you talking about? I got the Aubrey. That's, that's your next yeah, That's your next song. I got more flowers that day on Valentine's Day this year than I ever have. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I do want to go back to your music, though, and talk about your EP, Redneck Hollywood. My favorite song on that is things a man ought to know it's just it's a great tune you know it's fun and and funny so can you talk a little bit more about that tune yes um, i wrote it with jonathan singleton and jason nix we kind of sat down in the right and we were talking about you know things that my parents taught me growing up the things that they thought were essential you know like how to back up a truck and trailer. Um, I don't know why my daddy thought I needed to know that. (laughs) We were, there were just two girls, no boys. So he said, all right, I'm going to teach y'all some stuff, you know, how to catch a fish, how to change a tire, all those things that uh, he thought we ought to know. But not only did they teach me those things, they taught me, you know, the important characteristics that I should have, but I should also look for in my friends or my partners or whatever. And, um, Jason had this idea called things a man ought to know. And I think we could all in the room, like all of us songwriters, we were just talking about, you know, um, things that people should know, that people should know how to treat each other. And um, so basically this song is based off of relationships that I've been in in the past. You know, they taught me um, how to treat people, but also how I want to be treated. It's called things a man ought to know. Y'all need to write it down, boys. Yeah, I, was gonna <laughs> say, <laughs> I think that one's not only one where you just listen to it. You got to take notes to it as well. That's right. You better get yeah, it out. I have no idea how to back a truck and trailer up. So I I'll may end you. up on that one. <laughs> I got you. I got you. It's, I mean, it's not easy. I'll tell you that much. No, it's not. I learned firsthand when I was moving to D.C. not too long ago. And it was like, all right, here we go. I'm telling you, you know, it's so funny because we'll take my truck and trailer to a lot of these like fairs and festivals and stuff and we'll pull up and I'll be driving and the guys, you know, in charge of the fair or festival to be like, you need me to get in that thing and back it up next to the stage. I said, heck no, I need to get out of my way. (laughs) Before I run you over. That's right. Uh -uh, That's what you can do. That's awesome. (laughs) It's it's not an easy task. It's always funny to see someone try to do it for the first time. It is funny. It's <laughs> pretty funny. Looking <laughs> uh, on that EP, though, uh, one of my favorites was L.A., about the hometown, kind of where you're from. It's another upbeat song where it just kind of brings in a little bit of old flair as well. Uh, so we'd love to hear a little bit more than that from you. Yeah, so when I moved to Nashville, I thought, like, everybody looked at me like, they were like, where are you from? <laughs> I'd say, well, I'm from LA. And they're like, you are not from Los Angeles. <laughs> Talking like that. So that's kind of really how the song came about. And um, so when I said LA, you know, they heard Hollywood, but I heard Louisiana. But it was funny too, because everybody was like, you have such a thick accent. I'm like, I'm not the one with the accent. You are. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> accent. <laughs> Let's get one thing right here. That's right. It's not me, it's you. 
so that's kind of how it came about. And um, I wrote it with Hannah Dasher and Frank Romano. It's just one of those songs that I feel like I will play on stage for forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw, I saw like a video of it. You were like dancing around and stuff like that, just having a good old time. And I was like, well, one, it made me miss concerts and live shows. But two, I was just like, you can tell like the joy that you're having and like singing not only that song, but like all the other songs that you like see some artists, they go mm-hmm. out and we've talked about this before on the podcast with like other artists and songwriters, but like they'll just go up and just perform. Like they're just like yeah. singing it. And then just once they're done, they get off the stage and it is what it is. And then like you yeah. see like artists like you who like go out and just like actually like love to play the music and, and can feel it. And it's just like from a fan's perspective, it's, it's, you could definitely tell. And I don't know if oh, like, good. artists like understand that or, or not. I'm sure most do, but probably some just don't. And maybe those are the ones that just don't make it too far. Well, I have way too much fun with it. Honestly, I sometimes I forget people are even out there. I'm like, Oh, wait, <laughs> <laughs> you're not in your bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping on the bed. That's how it should yes. be. Yes. Gosh, I love it so much and miss it. I, did I, I think I saw you, because uh, I'm used to, we're actually both from Chicagoland area. I think I saw you played at Joe's Live Party yes. in Morgan Wallen. Yes. How was it playing with those guys? They're just like a party for themselves. That was my first like real tour that I was on. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually that was our first stop of that tour. And those boys just took me under their wing and, I'm telling you right now, like, you think I'm a redneck? I ain't got nothing on them. <laughs> Those boys, they would slap each other's necks before every show because they're redneck, you know. And <laughs> it, they're just so funny. And they're so kind. And um, they're just good people. So talented. I could go on and on about them. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's pretty cool to kind of see because it's like everyone vibes off of each other, I feel like, when you're on tour together. And it's like if you... And like having a good time, like wherever you go on the next stop, like you just want to like do one better. It's like, how can we increase the levels of it? Yes. And, um, they're so funny. I mean, to be in a room with both of them at the same time, they're not putting on a show. I'm telling you, they're not putting on a show for the camera. That's how they are all the time. Yeah. I was at one show of uh, Hardy's not too long ago. I think it was a little over a year ago and his drummer just came out. And he's like, this is, it's too quiet in here. And just took his shirt off and started whipping it around. <laughs> and it was at the Hamilton in DC, which I don't know if you've ever played there, but it's not no. like, like a backdoor venue of like a country bar. It's literally like a really nice venue. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that does not surprise me. <laughs> it was, that does not surprise me at all. <laughs> it was wild. It took some friends who had no idea who he was before that. And they like saw Maybe that. I'm fans now. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> Funny how you make country fans out of just live music. That's that's the fun thing about it. It was so funny. Hardy was having truck issues not too long ago, and I let him borrow my truck, and he brought it back to the house and just left it in the driveway. And I got in, and there was like a bottle of whiskey sitting in the passenger seat. And before I knew it, I texted him. I just said, "Thank you so much for the whiskey." And then I realized I was like, "Oh crap." It's probably his. He just left it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a half. Uh, no, it was mine. It's like, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate <laughs> that. It's mine now. It's mine now. <laughs> You're not getting it back. One thing I did want to know, you kind of like, it's always interesting to hear and see because you like hear a lot of like your new music and, and like kind of like the beats and the tunes of that. And then you hear like some of your older songs that came out 2017, 2018. How has that change in your mindset when you're like writing songs or performing them have you like gone through like a shift in kind of like how you're doing things and just kind of building 
Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I feel like it takes, it takes a long time to figure out who you are and what you want to say and how you want to say it. And I feel like with every song that I write, I'm just kind of, you know, coming into my own skin a little bit more. Yeah. It takes a really long time. It's like, you got to try everything else first before you, you know, realize what you are. You go back to square one. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, I feel like I have found the thing that is the most me. And this is like effortless. This is, uh, this is just what I do. And this is what like I would want to say, even in conversation, you know, I feel like my songs is, are like what I would say to y'all, mm-hmm. the sound and everything. I feel like it's just, it's kind of come together, but it has taken a long time. Yeah. It's kind of cool though. It's the building blocks of it all. It's like kind of the sure start out and then you just kind of keep growing and growing and That's then right. you just get to that, like, I would say like comfort level. And then you just even go out, you hear all these artists, they go out of their comfort zone for certain songs mm-hmm. that like they maybe release like an album that's a little bit off key of what they normally do, which is really yes. cool. To do. So it's like, as yes. soon as you get comfortable, it's like you want to become uncomfortable again. Yeah, no, no, no. And I'm all about putting myself in uncomfortable situations because I feel like that's the only time you grow. Right. Doing things that you're scared to do. But um, yeah, like you said, it's just brick by brick. One little building block at a time. Love that. Well, good. Well, that's that's all I had on my end, Troy. Yeah, we definitely appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you. Joining oh. us. And the last thing I'll leave you with is you definitely have, because I've been a fan for a couple of years now, and you have a great uh, social media game. Uh, <laughs> I make my family want to crawl underneath the rock. Your Instagram <laughs> stories are laugh out loud funny, especially the ones like with your mom when you mess with good. Oh my gosh, those make me de- those. <laughs> well, she's coming to Nashville here in about a week, so I'll be sure to. And she's secretly like she acts like she don't like it. And she's like, oh, I that's that's all part of the act. <laughs> yes. No, it's funny because a lot of my friends in Nashville, I hadn't talked to them in years, and they'll see that my mama's in town and be like, "Hey, you want to hang out?" I'm like, <laughs> "Y'all think my mama's cooler than me?" It's like I'm here all the time. <laughs> All right. Well, we uh, we appreciate you joining us, and we look forward to more new music and the full the full record to come out. Yeah, let's catch you live too. We want to we want a live show. I want to see you dancing up on stage soon. Oh man, I can't wait. I seriously can't wait. I appreciate y'all very much. This was fun. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. Y'all gotta soak up some sunshine. I was gonna say. Yeah, I think uh, we're gonna. Born right, in and red. Let's go for it. <laughs> I love it. Y'all be good. You too. Take care. Have a good Bye. one. Bye. All right. And that was an awesome interview with Lainey Wilson. It was really cool to sit down with her and just learn more about her story and everything. And I mean, her living in that trailer for three years is something. It's real dedication. Her story was crazy, man. It's like you listen to a lot of these artists that just have these unique backgrounds and being able to see where she came from and also like what she's doing now. It's just really cool. And just a testament to like hard work really does pay off. And when you do like kind of have a passion for it, I feel like if you don't have a passion for music or things of that nature or anything, probably uh, you're not going to go anywhere. And she's obviously a great, like it it wasn't like things were like handed to her by any means. It was like she was Mm -hmm. pulling for it the whole time. Yeah. And it's kind of just crazy because, you know, she's been at it for nine years but to the average like country music fan, like she's like a new artist, but she's been grinding and grinding for a while now where like she shouldn't be considered that, but 
you know, I get it. But it was just awesome to hang out with her and we really appreciate it. Absolutely. Looking forward to more new music from her. And I mean, we always talk about this too. Like it's hard to pinpoint like what actually a new artist is Mm because you you see all these like award shows and like to maybe like the average or maybe like not so average fan, like they hear new artists and they're like, oh yeah, I remember hearing like one or two of their songs. But like, I remember, I can't, can't remember who was like up for last year, but it was... I think Russell Dickerson or something. Yeah, he was like a year or two ago. And yeah. just like, it just kind of made no sense. And we were just like new artists. Like, what are you he talking about? He like, had like two number one songs. Yeah, and he's been out for like a long time. So it's, it's that's like one of the things where you hear new artists and you're just like, well, are they actually a new artist? Or what? what is their backstory? And I feel like once you listen to country music quite a bit, you get a, a general sense of, okay, they're a new artist in some people's eyes. But for the most part, it's... Uh, they've been around for quite a while and they have some good music out there. I definitely agree. And we had a good week of new music. Chris, why don't you talk about a little bit? Dude, OD. They've been releasing a lot of songs lately, especially like unreleased ones that maybe you've heard if you like saw them alive quite a bit in concert. But these ones in particular that they came out with this past week were ones that they've actually never pre-recorded. Uh, or at least that I, that's my understanding of it. Everything to Lose was, I think, out of the two, my favorite of the two. Um, but I think both of them are really good. Dancing Forever was really good. Uh, I don't think Old Dominion produces bad songs. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't even have like an average song. No, every song that they sing is just like a hit, and you can just always go back and say like, "Oh man, this is." I could hear this on the radio. I can. Mm-hmm. jam to this in concert. I mean, like there's just so many songs where they have, it just goes back and forth. I think we've talked about them quite a bit, obviously, but Everything to Lose was uh, written by Josh Osborne, Matt Dragstrom, and uh, Matthew Ramsey f- uh, from OD. Really cool. Just the, I mean, they're just so talented, man. I mean, there's there's not a person in that band that doesn't produce or help with their overall sound. And I think we've we've talked about this before, but like when Brad sings, it's kind of like when BK sings in the Florida Georgia line. It's just mm-hmm. like a unique set and they're just so versatile, which is really cool. Well, something funny about that is like when they were originally forming their band, they were supposed to split singing songs. It was supposed to be Matt and, and Brad. Brad. Yeah. But then it just turned out that Brad sang like the first album and then they kind of just, that kind of became their identity. Mm-hmm. But then, obviously, they put that New York at Night on their last album where Brad was singing the whole time, which I'm a huge fan of that song still, too. Yeah, that's yeah, really good. I think the you see Shane McAnally, especially whenever he's tied to something, it's just like going to be a hit, too. And he's producer on both of them, and he helped write Dancing Forever. So it's just, I mean, we could go on and on about their music and just the the group of people that they have around them. But... I think it's just a testament to songwriters for like when they come to grips with like kind of forming a, a band, like they can just get more of the uniqueness out of like their experiences into their songs as opposed to like them pulling from other people's songs that they're trying to cut, which is pretty cool. Uh, next one I wanted to touch on was uh, Mitchell Tenpenny's Broken Up. Anytime that he releases a new song, it's just fire. I mean, he's so good. Um, we got to catch him live, obviously, last year down in Key West Songwriters Fest. I uh, opened up for Brad after Ryan. This song was written by Devin Dawson, uh, Ernest, Kyle Fishman, and Mitchell Tenpenny himself. 
if you don't follow Ernest, Ernest is actually really funny on Instagram. He actually has his own podcast too, which is pretty good. Uh, and he has some cool guests on it, but uh, very talented. And I know him and Mitchell are pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I thought this song was really unique too, because usually uh, breakup songs about like, you know, your heart's broken or whatever. And he's talking about how, you know, he was the bad guy in the breakup. And like, you know, he said something like his mom was mad at him mm -hmm. and this and that. And I don't know, it was a unique perspective and definitely something that you don't see all the time with breakup songs. So really appreciated that part about it. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of cool to see, especially like when he says like something about like I'm broken up about it. And he's like saying like, regardless of me being like the bad guy, I'm still like not in a good place regardless. So mm -hmm. I think it's, as you said, there's so many where it's like, all right, screw this guy, screw that guy, go, go out and have fun, go dancing. That's kind of just like the, the tune that it kind of goes to. Exactly. But now you're looking at it and it's more just like talking about the person who actually does the breakup, which is still not fun for anybody by any means. No, definitely not. Ingrid Andres. I love this song, man. Waste of Lime. It's yeah. almost, it's obviously a run on waste of time, but it talks about margaritas, tequila, her just having fun outside in the sun. It's a sweet song. And she's kind of produced quite a few songs now the last, I'd say two or three months now that we've talked about. And this one I feel like is even a bit more unique than the other ones. It's more upbeat. I think she saw some upbeat songs before, don't get me wrong, but this one in general just seems like a great summer song. Yeah, I was surprised to see new music from her mm -hmm. because she just released like an eight song album. So it was, it was interesting that she put out new music like three months after that. But yeah, definitely a catchy tune. And, you know, just talking about a guy being a waste of a lime. So mm -hmm. pretty funny, pretty upbeat song. Definitely fits the summer vibe. Yeah. And if you look at the song credits on this one, it's like a novel. I mean, there's so many people that had a hand in it. Scott McKenzie, Sam Ellis, Shane McAnally, uh, Ingrid herself. The list was on Derek Sutherland, who I'm sure a lot of people have heard of before. So just like the amount of people that had a hand in that song and like how I, I would love to like sit in that room and see how they collaborated on that. Because normally like you see a song, it's like two to three, maybe four tops. Like this has like eight different writers. So it's kind of cool to see everyone coming together and like pitching in. It's probably almost just like they did like a Mad Libs for a song is how I picture it. It's like, all right, I'll fill out this line. You fill out the next line. But I'm sure it was probably more collaborative than that. But still pretty cool to have that much talent on it. Uh, last one I wanted to touch on is a guy that we've actually listened to quite a bit back in the day. And, and to be honest with you, I haven't heard too many new songs from him as of late, uh, but Seaside by Billy Currington. I'm a big fan of Billy. I think he was part of that group that really got me, I wouldn't say into country because I've always been into it, but it's like when you're sitting on a beach, I remember watching him down in Tortuga Fest back in like, I think it was like 2016, 2017. Every artist like came out and like, boots and in jeans or it just wasn't like a, a beach vibe and then he comes out on stage he's got no shoes kind of like almost like jake going no shoes he had a bathing suit on and just like a tank top and he was just ready to just party and hang out on the beach and his songs are just so good and seaside is right up there with it i think it's really good just to, to hear his new music and also be upbeat i think we're getting into that summer vibe finally troy which we've we've been waiting for so uh, this one was written by Billy, Jordan Schmidt, and, and Stephen Lee Olson. Uh, and then Jordan Schmidt produced it as well. So some really 
talented people on that song as well. And if you haven't listened to Billy in a while, get him back on your track list because he's coming out with some new songs. And I imagine there's going to be more to come here soon. Uh, yeah, I think he started, like, he hasn't released stuff since 2015. And, you know, he came out with details. I think that was the first week of 2020. And then this is obviously the follow-up song. So it's, mm -hmm. it's good that we're getting some new music from Billy Currington. And hopefully there's a full length album to follow. Oh, don't tease me like that. But yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. Uh, he's just got that great voice. He almost reminds me of like a new school Jimmy Buffett in a way where it's just kind of yeah. like a lot of like island songs, a lot of like fun beach songs, which I think if you follow him anywhere, he, he's like always surfing or doing something outside. So uh, he's really cool. And he's got a unique voice too, which is really cool. Yeah, I think he lives in Hawaii like full time. Yeah. So he's definitely all about the island vibes. So it's good to hear that in country music. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's. I mean, obviously there was a, a few other ones. There's a, a song by Chris Young, If That Ain't God. Uh, and then Craig Campbell came out with one called Flying My Country Flag. And uh, our girl Ray Lynn came out with Me About Me, which was, to be honest, I, I thought it was a more unique side of Ray Lynn. You normally like you hear songs and it's, it's I'm not gonna lie, it's usually about it, like a breakup or like drinking songs or something like that. And this one is a little bit different and more unique, and, like personal. So uh, that was cool to see her side as well. But some good new music this week, man. Always always good to hear some new tunes from OD and Billy and, and the boys. So and Ingrid, she's just continuing to put some hot tracks out there that makes me want to keep listening to her. Yeah, definitely a good week for music. But we appreciate you guys tuning in this week, and we'll catch you next week. Heck yeah. Take care, guys. Hope you had a good fourth. I just want you 